Let's open our Bibles now to um, John chapter 14. John, the Gospel of John chapter 14. And we'll read there the verses 15 to 26. The words of the Lord Jesus as he was on the way to Gethsemane and to the cross. Beginning at verse 15. He says there, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the, Lord, the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father, the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So far, the reading of Scripture. And it's about the sending of the Holy Spirit there, and we, we confess this afternoon from the Heidelberg Catechism the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 20. Lord's Day 20 in the Book of Praise, page 534. And there the church has summarized the Word of God as follows. Lord's Day 20. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all his benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. So far, our confession Brothers and sisters in the Lord, boys and girls who belong to him. The Apostles' Creed is short in its confession about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we have a little bit more in the Nicene Creed, which is one of the other creeds that we hold as true. 
There we confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And Lord's Day 20, which we deal with this afternoon, is pretty short too, actually. You might wonder about that, why, why just this one little Lord's Day about the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal and Alliance churches talk a, a lot more about the Holy Spirit. They talk about this being the age of the Spirit. Why don't we as Reformed churches emphasize the Spirit and His work more? But you have to remember that whatever follows these statements of faith in the Apostles' Creed, after the, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, all of the rest of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Christian Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit too. And you know, actually, everything that follows our Lord's Day uh, 20 to the end of the catechism, and you know that there's a whole section about the law and about prayer there, the Lord's Prayer, all of that, right to the end of the catechism, all the Lord's days about church and faith and sacraments and regeneration and living in thankfulness are actually the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the catechism mentions the Holy Spirit more than 40 times, so there's no need to think that we, we don't say a lot about the Holy Spirit. And you, you have to remember, too, that the Holy Spirit doesn't even want to draw attention to himself. He doesn't want to do that in the Bible. No, his job is to draw the attention to Christ, to Jesus Christ. That's his work after Pentecost, to bring to remembrance what Christ has said and done. He wants to focus our hearts on Christ. You could compare the Holy Spirit to a spotlight. There are beautiful buildings which have spotlights pointed to them at night to highlight them to passers-by. Well, the, the purpose of the spotlight is to draw the attention to the building and not to the spotlight itself. When you drive by, you don't admire the spotlight. What a beautiful spotlight. No, you admire the building it's pointing to. You know, it's something like that with the Holy Spirit. He shines the light on Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said about the Spirit in John 16. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So it's good to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, then, but then also remembering that the Spirit ultimately wants to bring us to Jesus Christ, the only Savior. And that's why we confess right in the middle of Lord's Day 20, he has also given to me, to me, to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits. And with that in mind, I proclaim to you the gospel as we confess that from the Bible in Lord's Day 20 with this theme, true faith is also faith in the Holy Spirit who is the Lord and giver of life. We see three things there. That faith is grounded in the word, in the Bible. That faith is confessed in Christ's church. And third, that faith is focused on Jesus Christ. First, it's grounded in the Word. That faith is grounded in the Word. 
The name spirit congregation is actually, in Hebrew, it's the same word as wind or breath. Ruach. It sounds like that. You can think here of what Job says in Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The same words is used in both instances there for spirit and breath. Same thing in the New Testament. And that connection comes to the fore throughout the Bible. On the evening of Christ's resurrection, the Lord Jesus came to his disciples, and they were all together in that room there. And it says in 20, John 20, verse 22, and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And 40 days later, Acts 2, which describes what happened on the day of Pentecost, it says there was a great sound as the rush of a mighty wind. Spirit stands for wind, breath. And that says something about how the Holy Spirit works. In his nighttime conversation with Nicodemus in John 3, you might know that the Lord Jesus explained that the work of the Spirit in bringing about rebirth is like the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. In other words, no one has the say over the wind, and it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Nobody can tell the Holy Spirit where to go, what to do, how to do it. He cannot be manipulated. And the Spirit is true and eternal God. And therefore, He does what's impossible for people to do. Wherever the Spirit goes, things change, sometimes in very amazing ways. He gives life. You can think of Genesis 1, about the very beginning of creation, where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was there at creation, and He filled the earth with life. He filled Adam and Eve's nostrils with breath. The same word is used there. Psalm 104 is a wonderful song about nature around us, and then it mentions the springtime. We're in the middle of spring here. And the writer says, verse 30, that when God sends forth His Spirit, He renews the face of the ground. Every spring, in other words, when the trees begin to bud and the plants begin to come above the ground, it's the work of the Spirit. He gives life. But the Spirit not only works powerfully in nature, He even works much more powerfully in people. He brings about new life in people who by nature are dead in their trespasses and sins. He changes hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, says that in Ezekiel. And you see him doing that already in the Old Testament. He worked in in Israel's judges, Gideon, Samson, prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And he worked in kings, Saul, David, Solomon. All people were moved by one spirit. And that's how he he works. The Spirit worked in them to do great things. He works in different people, taking into account their different circumstances, letting them keep their different characters, but still the same Spirit. That's also how he does his work in the church today. We're all different people here. 
differing abilities, different characters, but we're all motivated by the same spirit, right? Motivated by the same spirit. You can compare it to the the pipe organ in church here. Many different pipes. When air is blown through each of those pipes, we hear all different tones. But when the organist plays the organ here, we hear one tune, one song. And in the same way, there's one spirit who works in each of us, and in spite of different characters and abilities, one united communion of saints confessing one faith together. That's, that's how he does his work in the church today. And throughout the world, one holy Catholic Christian church throughout the world. The Holy Spirit, you see, is God. He is God. Almighty God. He can change people's hearts. You can't bring him into your heart yourself in your own strength or force him to work in somebody else's heart. And you know that the Holy Spirit can also withdraw himself from someone, as has happened with King Saul, for instance. He withdrew from King Saul. And that shows that we don't, and we cannot exercise control over him. It's the other way around. He exercised control over us. He is God. He knows how to sovereignly reach human hearts. And that's why we're together in faith. But congregation, he uses means for that too. Instruments. He uses the Bible. The Bible which he inspired the prophets to write. And he, he, he had it, the, it inspired and written in order to change hearts via that instrument. To give people repentance and rebirth to people who are themselves sinners and dead in their sins. That's the means he has made known to us. I work through the gospel, the word. Faith comes from the hearing of the word of God. Romans 10. Think of what we confess in Lord's Day 25 there too. The few Lord's Days beyond this one. It's asked in that Lord's Day, since faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits, where does that faith come from? And the answer is really really nicely to the point from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. Notice that the Spirit works faith via the preaching, strengthens via the sacraments. Also the baptism this afternoon. That's how his work begins in hearts. Via hearing and also seeing confirmation of that in the sacraments. And notice then that Lord's Day 25 doesn't ask, therefore, what do you experience concerning the Holy Spirit? Because that's what mysticism asks. What do you experience? No, it asks, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? From the Bible, we believe what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals and all others, a lot of others place the emphasis on experience. But as Reformed churches, we put the emphasis on the Word, the Gospel. It's the Word that gives certainty. The Spirit uses the Word to work in hearts. Feelings and experiences can come and go. 
But God's covenant promises in his words are always the same. And that gives stability, certainty. So if there's a time in your life when you wonder if the Holy Spirit is really working in you, in your heart and life, then don't go rooting around inside yourself to look for certainty about that in some kind of experiences or so. Go to the Bible. Simply go to the Bible and read it. Study it. The more you go to the Word, the more certain you become of God, what God promises in that Word. And that's because the Spirit works through that Word in your heart. In congregation, you realize then that it's very important that you keep listening to the Word, the means that the Spirit has shown us that He uses to work in hearts that you make yourself available for his wonderful work in your heart and also the hearts of your children by being under the proclamation of the gospel every Sunday again. And you realize then too that it's dangerous to disregard that word of this, this instrument of the Spirit because then you, you distance yourself from his working. skip worship services for no real reason, then you're resisting the Spirit who wants that opportunity to work in your heart via the Gospel. You grieve the Spirit. Left the Bible shut at home. Don't bother with Bible study. You're not giving the Spirit opportunity to work in you that way either. You're grieving Him. Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls, be busy with the means that the Spirit shows He uses to work also in your heart. Be busy with it whenever you can and wherever you can because it's by that means He wants to give you a new life. Work faith in you, in Christ. Focus you on Christ. We come to the second part of the sermon this afternoon then. The faith in the Holy Spirit is confessed in Christ's church. Congregation, we confess in Lord's Day 20, the Holy Spirit is also given to me. Given to me. That's your confession. The confession of, of all of us here. Given to me. The Holy Spirit, therefore, isn't somebody who's remote to you. No, He's given to you. He is in you. Just as we can say as believers here that God the Father is over us, He created us by His providence controls our lives. Just as we can say that God, the Son, is for us, has freed us from sin, and keeps us free, so we can say that God, the Holy Spirit, also is in us. Personally, because that's how Lord's Day 20 says it, it, says it He's also given to me. And that's personal. But at the same time, it applies to the whole church. And that's why the little word also is in there. Also, to, not only to others, but also to me also to little old me and also to others. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the whole congregation, the whole church of the Lord at Pentecost. Everybody, young and old, they were affected by the Holy Spirit. And we've all been baptized into one body by the same Spirit, the Apostle writes. Spirit and church belong together, you see. 1 Corinthians 12, he says, all one body by the same Spirit. 
made to drink of the one spirit. It's a wonderful thing that the catechism connects spirit and church like that too. In the next Lord's Day, Lord's Day 21, he gathers, defends, and preserves for himself by his spirit and word in the unity of true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. So as a member of Christ's church, you can say he's also given to me, given to you. How do you know that? Well, we have a baptism this afternoon, and God promises at, at your baptism, members of Christ's church, you were all baptized into the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that means as we read at every baptism, you'll hear it here again in the form for baptism, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will live in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. In other words, the Holy Spirit promises to work in you and unite you with your Savior, Christ. Christ in you and you in Christ. God promised that to you as baptized members of Christ's church. And if you accept that promise in faith, then you can say with Lord's Day 20, the Holy Spirit is also given to me. Of course, when you say that, you also have to let him live in you too and lead you by his word. You'll have to make every effort yourself to live your life as he tells you in the word. This is how he speaks in his word. It should be seen in you that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where he lives and is active. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to live in you temporarily, lodge in you from time to time. He wants to live in you permanently and so renew your whole life from inside out. He doesn't want to rest in you temporarily as in a hotel. He promises and wants to dwell in you as in a house, in a temple. And a house in the temple of the Holy Spirit always needs to be in the process of being cleansed too then. And he can't live in you if you let all kinds of junk in your life, which is contrary to the gospel which he inspired. He doesn't want to live in an unclean temple like that. Sin and spirit don't get along together. And you realize then, congregation, that it's not so that once you've been, received the promise of the Spirit, baptism, that He'll automatically stay in you always. No, the Holy Spirit can and will withdraw Himself from people if their temple becomes more and more filled with sin and sinfulness. And then it stays there and there's no repentance. And th that can happen. Think of King Saul. How the Spirit withdrew from him as he sought his own way instead of the Lord's way. And he, he, he sought it in the dark arts too. And then the Spirit says, well, I, I can't be with you. People can even sin against the Holy Spirit. We know in the, from the Bible, the Lord Jesus said, blaspheme the Spirit. That was the unforgivable sin. That means that you consciously set yourself against the work of the Holy Spirit. That you slander him, consciously oppose and go against the word, 
The word that he inspired. And you say, I don't want this word. And you say that to the end of your life. Whoever does that is bringing the judgment of God over his or her life and will not see the life that the Spirit wants to give. But whoever seeks his work in his or her life through the Word will see the fullness of life that he has promised to give perfect, eternal life. We come to the last part of the sermon. Faith in the Holy Spirit is focused on Christ. The Holy Spirit congregation makes us Christ's possession. And that, that's his main work. You know, just take your heart for Christ. It's the miracle that he works. Because our, our hearts by nature are resistant to that. And then he conquers our hearts for Christ. He turns hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, as we mentioned. Changes haters of God into lovers of God. You have to think of the Apostle Paul. He persecuted the church of Christ. But Christ, through the Holy Spirit, changed his heart. Amazing, incomprehensible. Who in the world can change hearts like that? Some Christians today might think that that normal work of the Spirit is too plain, that he works via the Word and the preaching of the Gospel and so on, and through your devotions and Bible study. They figure that you have to be baptized by the Spirit via some miraculous experience. And then you know, oh, I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit gives you extra special and even miraculous gifts. Speaking in tongues or gifts of healing or so. And you become a kind of a super Christian. You have then received a special baptism by the Spirit. But... But there aren't first and second class Christians, congregation. No, the wonder of the Spirit's work is that he lives in you and joins you to Christ more and more and brings you to want to live out of and for Christ. And he can do that over time very quietly and steadily. And that's the great wonder of his work. Again, you could say that the Spirit is like a spotlight which shines the light on Christ so that you see him and the work he has done and that you realize this is my savior and I want to live for him. And then you'll also more and more want to even look like him, be renewed in his image. In true repentance, you seek in him the forgiveness of your daily sins and shortcomings and you desire to be renewed in his image, in your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds. I want to leave that behind and I want to live according to the Bible. Those are the things Christ promised you at baptism already. That kind of repentance and renewal. He promises that to little Violet here. He imparts to us what we have in Christ, namely the forgiveness of our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. The wonderful things that Christ has obtained for us by his suffering, his death, his resurrection. He joins you to, the, the Spirit joins you to this Christ who is the true vine. And then he flows through the vine to the branches so that as branches of that true vine, you, you bear fruit for Christ to God's glory. 
The fruit of, we mentioned that this morning, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, friendliness, goodness, faithfulness, compassion, self-control. The Spirit wants that kind of fruit to grow out of your bond with Jesus Christ so that that kind of fruit shows in your life. How does the Spirit keep our our faith focused on Jesus Christ in this broken and busy life when there's so many distractions here. Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. By the way, the word, the word Jesus used here for helper is also the word advocate. An advocate, you know, is something like a lawyer. A defense, a defense lawyer. And he helps you by standing up for you in court. Defends you in court. Now you know that Jesus Christ himself is our advocate before God the Father in heaven. He ascended into heaven as our advocate there at God's right hand. Speaks up for us in heaven at God's throne. But the Holy Spirit is also an advocate. The Holy Spirit is actually Jesus Christ's advocate here on earth. He speaks up for Christ to us via the gospel. And he continually, via the gospel, brings to our remembrance what Christ has said and done. And he focuses our attention on Christ, on his work, on the riches that he obtained for all his own by his cross. And that's how he helps us and comforts us. And congregation, he does that work just via the preaching of the word, via the sacraments, personal devotions in church or at home with the Bible, catechism class. The Spirit is calling you to remember Christ's words and works in all those things. Whenever you open the Bible, he urges you via word and also sacrament, accept those riches, people. Embrace Christ in all his glorious benefits. And he exhorts you via word and sacrament to break with your sins. Live out of faith in Christ. Every time you worship in church or open your Bible at home, the Spirit advocates for Christ. Points to Christ the Savior. Here is our advocate. The advocate is the Spirit. And he promises to remain with you forever then. That's also what we confess in Lord's Day 20. When the Spirit comes to you in the preaching of the gospel, that doesn't mean that um, he'll automatically stay with you forever and ever. There's no automatism here. No, he always comes via the gospel with the charge to believe and repent. So then it's important that you have ears to hear what the Spirit says and that you live in humble repentance because that's how the Spirit will finish His work in bringing us to Christ too. That's the way He wants to bring your life to the perfection which is coming in fact. It starts here. And then when you leave this life, it's all done. Then the promise that He will remain with you forever is gloriously fulfilled. Amen.